Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Arnold Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now here is Pastor Arnold Murray. Good day to you. God bless you. Say, welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this family Bible study hour. Back in our Father's Word, we're going to complete the book of Acts today. And how fantastic it is. And what, what a book. Telling us how to act. If you want to act like the children of God. If you want to act like the servants of God. It is the action you do to reach people. To teach God's Word. And to cause the church to grow. How did they cause it? How could, why was it that it had always grew with them? Because they taught the Word of God. That's what's important. So many people seem to want to do traditions of men rather than the Word of God. Why? I have no idea. Because even today, as long as you teach God's Word chapter by chapter and verse by verse, your church is going to grow. That's a promise from Almighty God. That's from Father Himself. So we're, we're almost through with the book right now. We've got, we're in chapter 28. We're going to pick it up with verse 24. And then I'm going to do a recap, basically, of the whole book. Just kind of take us through it and uh, hit, the high, hit the points that we should always remember and carry with us. So having said that, chapter 28, Paul now is in Rome. He didn't have any enemies in Rome. They, they didn't even know that he was a wanted, that he was um, in chains, or that is to say, prison, which now he was no longer in chains. They, he even had his own house, basically, and was free to teach or do whatever he wanted. God always takes care of his own. Why? Because Christ told him, you're going to Rome and you're going to testify. You know, and, and that's, so naturally that means He's going to be able to preach, and preach he is. Chapter 28, verse 24, let's finish the book. And some, as he was teaching them there in Rome, and some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. So what's new under the sun? So many people get upset because someone will not receive a truth, will not believe what you believe. Don't, don't ever let that upset you. God is not ready for everyone to see the truth at this time. And, and don't ever cast your pearls before swine. That's not an insult to the people. It just means if God has blinded them, there is no way you can touch them at this time until God is ready. All you do is do exactly as the Father said. You plant a seed and then you leave it alone until that seed takes. Only God can cause that seed to take. And then... If they ask a question, follow it. Then you're, you're, you're on the road to maybe a conversion. Verse 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Spirit by Elias the prophet unto our fathers. And he's going to quote Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9 here. Verse 26 saying... Go unto this people and say, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. 27. 
For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. This is a hard saying for many to understand and it comes from Mark chapter 4 verse 13 based also on Romans 11 where God says, I've sent the spirit of slumber upon some. Now, it is automatic that many would say, why would God do that? Because once your ears are open. And once your eyes see, if you happen to be one of God's elect, you are accountable for standing against false Messiah in this generation. Therefore, if one does not have the courage nor the strength, is not well founded in the word of God, once having seen the truth, if they do not make that stand, they're, they're flirting with the unpardonable sin. <clears throat> Therefore, God loves his children, and to the very weak themselves, he will, he will cover their hearing and their responsibility, because God loves people to be responsible, responsible for your acts, your deeds, what you say, especially what you teach, and to carry through on that that our Father would have us teach. So. Therefore, God is protecting those that are weak until even the millennium, if you would, in some cases. There, where, where there is ignorance, there is no sin in many cases. But when you come to full knowledge, then if they convert, they're responsible. Uh, many people would take this and maybe say, well, I don't think I want to believe then. No, oh, yes, you do. When it comes to standing against the false Messiah in this generation. It's a blessing because you don't speak, the Holy Spirit does. We'll talk more about it as we do a recap here of the entire book. But what a privilege it is to be a servant of the living God and to have his protection over you, your life, the ministry that you bring forth. God always protects that. No one can, no one can mess with it else God will crush them. And so therefore, when you come to that knowledge, you're going to complete it as long as you stay focused on not men's traditions, but the Word of God. So uh, Mark chapter 4 is excellent about this. Many people don't understand parables. Why? Because it wasn't meant to. They're not responsible yet. Verse 28, for their own protection. Verse 28 reads, be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And therefore, one of the missions back in chapter 9, verse 15, Paul's instructions, <clears throat> that he as well as Israel would go to the Gentile. And the, the ethnos, when they hear the word of God and receive it, remember back they even spoke in that uh, Pentecostal uh, tongue with the Holy Spirit in all languages at one time, meaning they're going to witness also. We'll talk more about that in a mo few moments. Verse 29, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. They were really rapping about the Word of God. Verse 30, And Paul dwelt there 
dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. Now that's quite a prison term, is it not? God freed him to this point whereby he could fulfill what was stated uh, back a chapter or so hence when Christ said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So there God's word is complete, that he is in his own house, his own free time, though he, he has appealed to Caesar, he can teach God's word and even write much of the New Testament. How fantastic it was. God, you can always trust our Father. Father takes care of his servants. God, Father looks after his servants and how precious it is. Let's go with the next verse, verse uh, 31 to complete the book. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, doing it boldly, with knowledge, being sure of yourself. No man forbidding him. What a way to do prison time is to know that God is with you and that you have the blessings of God to carry forth his work. Just like it is written in the great book of Zechariah in chapter 4, those that were born in Babel, the word is Zerubbabel, concerning the 7,000, he who built the foundation will complete the work because it has God's blessings. And on that plumb bob that had the 7,000 eyes, the 7,000 of God's elect, opened up the knowledge of the acts of the apostles, knowing how they should act to bring forth the truth, especially in this generation of the fig tree. What a wonderful time to live at this time. What a, what a wonderful thing to have the blessings of God and to have the seal of God in your forehead whereby you can't be deceived. And there we have the book of Acts. Now, let's, if we may, let's go back and kind of summarize the entire book. Let's go back to the beginning, chapter 1, where Christ stayed with the disciples, uh, now apostles, sent ones, 40 days, 40 being probation. And he warned them, don't you leave this peaceful habitation, meaning Yerushalayim, until you receive what I'm going to send. And naturally he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, 10 days after he ascended from the Mount of Olives, I mean went right back to the Father to sit on at the right hand of God until all his enemies are, are placed under his feet. And God uses his election to bring that to pass. That's why it's so important that you absorb the Word of God, that it becomes foremost in your life and that you focus on it. Don't ever let anything else get in the way of that because God is on that throne with the Son at His right hand. But on that 50th day, 10 days later after He ascended, which 50 in the Greek tongue is Pentecost, okay, which means the day of Pentecost, the 50th day. And then there was a cloven tongue, which in, it means it went out in every language all at one time. 
that would be Chinese, Japanese, um, uh, Hebrew, Greek, uh, Aramaic, um, English, all the languages of the world coming from one mouth because it was not they that were speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Don't ever let any man deceive you about the Pentecostal tongue, for you can read of it in Acts chapter 2, this book. We move from chapter 1 to chapter 2. In the 6th and 7th verse, what does it say? It said they were amazed. Because whoever they were, they had all gathered in for the Pentecost feast. They were people there of every language in the world. And here they heard these uh, Galileans speaking and it was coming from their mouth in the dialect in the county in which they were born. Same dialect. They could understand it so clearly. And when God's, come, when God's Word comes forth, it will always be clear to you if it's taught properly. And so it is when God's elect are delivered up and that tongue comes forth. What, what kind of, where was this written of before? There's nothing new under the sun. And behold, as it is written in Mark 13, Christ has foretold us all things. So you should know. And Peter makes it very clear in that second chapter. Don't marvel. This is that that was spoken of by Joel the prophet. Well, what did Joel say? Well, Joel, in chapter 2 of the Minor Prophets, the great book of Joel, he stated there that, that uh, both sons and daughters, when the locust army of the end times comes, come against the children of God, that, th that both sons and daughters will open their mouth, the Holy Spirit would speak through them, and God would use them to prophesy, to teach, to guide the children of Almighty God. That it is written, and so it is. So this was that tongue. It was not an unknown tongue, just the opposite. Because it wasn't man speaking, it was the Holy Spirit, which is to say the Spirit of Almighty God, speaking through those people whereby every language in the world could hear it clearly in their dialect of the county they were born. And this being a sample of what will be in Mark chapter 13, Matthew 24, and Luke 21, when people are delivered up before the spurious Messiah, what did Christ say? He said, you that really know me, don't let any man deceive you, for many will come in my name, claiming to be Christian preachers, teachers, and evangelists. But if they don't teach God's word chapter by chapter and verse by verse, then you want to be real careful because they will deceive you. And then he, he went on to explain how and why. He said, this is what's going to happen to you. In the end times, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but his coming is opposite of that when they start crying world peace. Then you want to be real careful. And then he mentions this tongue when he said, Many of you will be delivered up before the synagogues of Satan when he comes as the false Messiah, and that you are not to premeditate what you will speak at that time because it will not be you that speak, but the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Now that's what the tongue on Pentecost Day was about. And that's when it will actually come into being again. This is why that both the ethnic and the Israelites 
spoke in that tongue, meaning all that have eyes to see and ears to hear, that are accountable and are responsible, that they will teach, but it will be God teaching through them, that is to say with the Holy Spirit doing the talking. There is, has been so much written about that tongue and so much misunderstanding. Don't you ever misunderstand it because your destiny might depend on it even. Your slipping might even depend on it. Because as it is written, both sons and daughters shall testify. Don't try to cut out the female audience, uh, the children of God. For God will speak through whomever he chooses to speak through, and man cannot prevent that. God uses those that have the courage to make that stand, and many are anxious to do that. Just remember one thing. Don't you do the talking. The Holy Spirit will do the talking. So here we got through that second chapter when that beautiful thing happened. 3,000 people joined and up to 5,000 then joined the church in that day. And then the church continued to grow. And we get to the sixth chapter and they decided we don't have enough people to handle this. So they picked out seven, seven people. Among those seven was Stephen and among those seven was Philip. Now, Stephen was quite a scholar. Philip would later be the father who would go to the Gaza Strip and Caesarea, or Caesarea if you prefer, all the way down to the Gaza Strip, the west the bank there, and he had four virgin daughters that were prophetess, meaning they taught, they were teachers. You, you mean they had women that taught, did their husbands? They weren't, they weren't married, they were virgins. God uses whomever he chooses. You know, Israel never conquered from Caesarea down to the, the uh, Gaza Strip. And, and, but Philip did, and Philip's daughters did. They taught God's word there. But then back to Philip, uh, um, managed that quite well. It would be Philip that would later teach Apollo, which we'll talk about in a moment. But, um, and as it is Stephen in chapter 7, if you ever want a summary of God's word from Genesis all the way up to the coming of Christ, listen to the teachings of Stephen in chapter 7 of this great book of Acts. It's a perfect record, a perfect history of God's word. But do you know what this brought Stephen then, this one chosen by the church? They stoned him to death. And in the audience, the little gent that helped the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death was one man named Saul, which would later be Paul, the writer of this book. And he so disapproved of the church, the Christian way, he was a great scholar of, of the manuscripts, studied at the feet of Gamaliel, knew and could speak more languages than all of them, but he hadn't recognized Christ as Messiah. And on the road to Damascus with, with permission in his pocket to persecute the church there, to drag both men and women out, 
God struck him down on the road to Damascus with a bright light and spoke to him and told him, you will go to Damascus and you will look up one of my servants there, Ananias. And Paul said, you, you don't, you don't, yes, Lord. And he began to see then. He could remember being a scholar of the word that, hey, Acts chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, a virgin shall conceive and a child shall be born and you will call him Emmanuel, which is to say God with us. And then he recognized Messiah had come and it was Messiah that was speaking to him on that road. And Paul was chosen by God at that time. It wasn't his free will because he was elect from the first earth age that God commissioned him in chapter 9, verse 15, that he would go to Israel, that he would go to the kings of the, of, of the, of the world, ethnos, and the Gentiles, the ethnic peoples, that the word would be open to all. And Paul was given that commission. And the same zeal that this one Paul would use against the church, he fought for it. What, what a man he was in serving the living God when he saw the truth. The truth changes lives. It certainly changed Paul's life, but Christ himself had to strike him down to show him the way. Now, Paul, having this commission to go to the Gentiles, and actually the boys downtown in Jerusalem, it was not prohibited that Gentiles could even go past Solomon's porch. I mean, you stay out of the temple you're not clean. So God had a little thing take place in chapter 10 of this great book. It's where God spoke to Cornelius, a, a Roman centurion <clears throat> general, who, who was a Christian. He'd been converted, his whole family. And God told him to send to this one Peter's house and have asked for Peter. And Peter, meanwhile, he's up on the roof of his house praying. And God sends three a sheet full of unclean, filthy animals. And said, Peter, eat. And Peter said, Lord, there's nothing like that ever passed my lips. It's against the health laws. I won't eat it. Three times God did that, but he never forced Paul uh, Peter to eat. He pulled it away. And then he said, Peter, I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about people, alos in the Greek tongue, other races, Gentiles. Don't you dare call any of them common again. That is to say, as far as accepting Christ is concerned, they have whomsoever will, if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, shall not perish but have eternal life. And Peter could see that. And even at that moment, three men knocked on the gate of Peter's home. And here was Cornelius' uh, armor bearer and his men asking Peter. And, and God told him, to go with them. And sure enough, uh, Peter himself realized then that even the Gentile, that's what God was talking about, not to eat unhealthy food. But don't call Gentiles common. That means unclean when they accept the Lord Jesus Christ, when they serve him. So there we had that framework. Even one of the boys downtown, Peter, instructed by God, you will accept the Gentile. So as we went on, we met um, Aquila and Priscilla, Paul would, 
he was quite fond of this couple. They were tent makers as he was. But Priscilla was, the woman was the better teacher. And after they're mentioned about the first time after that, Paul always mentioned rather than Aquila first would be Priscilla. Because she was the lead teacher in that family. And he would even form a pet name for her. He would call her Prisca in a place or two. Why, he loved them because they taught the word of God. It was they that would, um, would uh, uh, teach and even bring forth Apollo, who was a great scholar. And God would convert him. And what a teacher he was. But on through the word of God... But always in the background, you would have little troublemakers. And this is something when you're in a ministry blessed of God, you want to be careful of. You'll always have troublemakers that will sneak in, that have their own little purposes and intentions. And that's what this one, he called himself Bar-Jesus, which means the son of Jesus. His true name was Simon. And he, he really, he liked to see the apostles working the miracles of God. And finally, he saw the action of the Holy Spirit and he wanted to buy it. He said, I'll give you money if you'll give me this gift. Well, you see your ignorance and insincerity instantly because you can't sell the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given by God and given freely. So, therefore, Peter rebuked him and, um, and, and drove him away. But he, he didn't go very far. He always uh, bothered him. And finally, as you, you with Smith's Bible dictionaries, he will be the eighth Simon mentioned in the, under the name Simon, a hearing. And you will find there that history has the fact that old Simon, he said, if Jesus Christ can be raised from the dead, so can I. So he had them dig a grave, and he had himself put in and covered over, and he was going to resurrect in three days. Guess what? He's still there. He never made it. And from this comes the word simony. This is people that will slip in. You've got to beware of them. Example. One man saw the, uh, the apostles casting out demons. Why? It wasn't they that cast them out. It was the Lord Jesus Christ when you do it in his name, in his power, as, as God gave all of us, not only the apostles of the Bible, but you today that understand Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he gives you power over all your enemies, even Satan, using the name of Jesus Christ. So, uh, these people, this, this um, sideshow guy saw the disciples uh, and apostles casting out demons. And he walks up to one old boy that has a demon and he said, I command you by the same way Paul did, you come out of him. Do you know what the demon said? He said, hey, Paul I know, Apollo I know, but who are you? And they jumped on him, and I mean tore him up. So you want to know what you're doing, and you better be loyal and, and true to Almighty God, or the demons will. They, I mean, they, there are demons in the world. There's not one behind every bush. They're evil spirits. That's what the manuscripts call them. And certainly, just as we have the Holy Spirit, we have evil spirits. 
but we have power over them through the word of God in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the apostles would continue on with many wonderful acts. Paul would use um, wisdom and knowledge to overcome any obstacle that confronted him, such as his own citizenship, that his father happened to be of um, a, a, a citizen, a full freeborn citizen of Rome. And for a centurion to beat a person, even when they were in the land of Judea, of, of where the tribes were, they could not beat a Roman without a trial and one found guilty of a crime fit for punishment. And there was a time or two that they would catch Paul and get ready to beat him. And he said, is it, do you really think you want to do this to myself, a Roman citizen? And the guards would, it would shake them up big time and they would go to the, to the centurion and say, this man is a Roman. Do you sure you want me to beat him? This would scare the, the centurion because why? You'd have to answer to Caesar for that. And Paul would escape um, many times mobs and crowds by using wisdom and knowledge. Naturally, God's hand was over him. Naturally, God protected him. Why? God wanted the word of God taught as Paul could teach it. He testified in Jerusalem. He testified in all of the various cities that he went to to the Ephesians, to, to Thessalonica, to many places where the letters of the great New Testament are written. Teaching what? The Word of God. This is why the New Testament is a repeat much of the Old, whereby Paul, being a scholar of those manuscripts, would bring forth those teachings in this great book of the Acts. So there you have it, that Paul would utilize this but God always had his hand on Paul, even on that ship as he was going to Rome. That, I mean, 14 days they're in this storm and they're ready to die, basically. But God appeared to Paul and said, don't, don't be of good cheer, Paul. You're not going to die. I'm, you're, you're going to do this and you're, every man on this ship, 276 of them, will be saved. And sure enough, they were by following the instructions of Paul, no, of God. This is what you must get through your mind. Man can do very little, but God can do a lot. And when God has his hand on you, woe to those that would touch anything that you do. It's a, they find out the hard way. Why God protects his own. Why It's the word of God. So it is always God in control. It is God that brings um, increase, truth, his word. Why did they always expand the church? They taught the word of God. It was God that performed the miracles in the name of Jesus Christ that set those miracles that drew many people to that truth because they loved the Lord Jesus Christ and they loved our Heavenly Father and they felt very privileged and wonderful and fortunate that God touched them and brought them into the ministry, into the truth. 
that they could share that beautiful thing, the truth, with all they came in contact with that had eyes to see and ears to hear. That's the book of Acts. And those acts we're supposed to simulate, to follow as best we can, again, as God leads us, as God touches you, as God gives you credentials to, uh, to bring forth those wonderful things that are written in the book of Acts. I hope you enjoyed the book of Acts as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And there you have it, the book of Acts. God bless you. Listen a moment, won't you please? The Mark of the Beast on CD is our free introductory offer to you. What is the Mark of the Beast? Many false teachers would have you believe it will be a tattoo on your forehead or a computer chip implanted under your skin. It is getting late in the game. You need to know what the Mark of the Beast is. As it's written in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, many will be deceived. There is no need for you to be deceived. Christ said in Mark 13, 23, Behold, I have foretold you all things. Jesus indeed told us how not to be deceived, and Pastor Arnold Murray takes you on a step-by-step -step study of God's Word concerning this critical subject, the mark of the beast. The telephone call is free. The CD is free. We don't even ask for the shipping and handling. It is free as well. All you need to do is call 800-643-4645 to request your one-time, one-per-household copy of The Mark of the Beast. You may also request your free CD by mailing your request to Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Don't be deceived by Satan. And there we are back again. Let's have the 800 number, please. 1-800-643-4645. That number is good from Puerto Rico, throughout the U.S., Alaska, Hawaii, all over Canada. If the spirit moves and you have a question, you share it. Won't you do that? Please never ask a question about a particular reverend, denomination, or organization. We don't judge people. That's Father's business. He judges people. We don't. Do you know why God wants to judge them? Because he, he, he knows their mind. He knows what their real meaning is, and he can take steps you couldn't. Okay? So don't judge people. You do have the right to discern who you'll fellowship with, who you should push away, and who you should be with. He gives you that unction through the Holy Spirit, and you have that right. It's a gift from God to have spiritual discernment. And, and uh, use it always. And it pleases Him, and it'll bless you. Those of you that listen by shortwave around the world, it's always a pleasure hearing from you, and your announcer at the end of the hour will give you our mailing address. Again, always a pleasure. Got a prayer request now? You don't need the number. You don't need an address. Why? God knows what you're thinking right now. He does. He loves you. Why? He created your being, your very soul. He created you different than anyone else. You are very unique. You have, a diff you have different DNA. No one has, is like you. Why? Because he wanted someone just like you. But he does want you to love him. That's what this earth age is about. Is you, do you love him or do you follow Satan? Your choice, totally and completely. Let's approach his throne. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for your wonderful word. We thank you for your love, Father, and we return that love. We ask you to touch in Yeshua, Jesus' precious name, Father. Bless in his precious name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Okay, and question time. We're going to go with Vaughn from Arkansas. During the five-month period, 
where will we be? I really can't see the Antichrist letting us stay in our present homes as we will not bow down and worship him. Uh, we, we will, you can only have 10 days trial as it's written. In, that's God's promise in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Only 10 days trial. For, that's individual. It'll be a five-month period. But then you, Satan cannot claim to be Messiah and go around killing people. Okay. They would know instantly these churches that are waiting for the rapture. If, if some dude showed up and began murdering people, they would certainly know he wasn't Messiah. Okay. But the fake. So therefore, he has to, he must act as Christ would act to deceive the people to bring them in to worship him. So uh, you are to do whatever it is the Holy Spirit instructs you to do at that time, and he certainly will. He will take over. You're not to even think what you'll say. The Spirit will talk through you. So God will let us know in ample time exactly what we're to do and Trust me, God always takes care of his own. You can count on it. You can rest assured, even on this day, if you're serving God, if somebody dares touch you, uh, God have mercy on their soul because he says, touch not mine anointed, and he meant it. So by that, I mean he's going to direct us, each and every one, as to where we'll be and what you'll be doing. Don't you worry about it. Daniel from... Port St. Lucie, uh, who are the four living beings in Revelation? They, they are, uh, let's, let's call them by both names of the Old Testament and the New, the Hebrew and the Greek, Zun and Zoe. And, and they are cherubims. They were created for one purpose. And that purpose is to guard the mercy seat. It was the duty that Satan was supposed to do as the protecting cherub, the, cover, the cherub that covereth, meaning he was to cover the mercy seat and protect it, only he decided, as it is written in um, Ezekiel chapter 28, he wanted to sit on it. He wanted to be king. And um, so in pride, he fell from grace. But the zoi, or zun, according to which tes testament you're in, protect that seat, and, and they have no other choice other than to do it, is to, to love God. So they are different than we are, and they're different than any of the angels. That's why they're called living creatures. Uh, Fanny from Pennsylvania, what is your opinion of the mosque being built in New York? Well, I think it, I think it, is, it, it is a sad, sad mistake. It drives a wedge between the Islamic faith and Christianity, any way you want to slice it, it is way too close to ground zero. We know who perpetrated that dastardly act on our people that has brought not only many deaths there, but in, in um, defending ourselves from the same ilk. Not to say that some of them are, many of them are not terrorists and maybe are well-meaning people. But when you insist on building a victory place, and that's what it would amount to, they don't even like to call it a mosque. They call it a center. A center for what? Bragging? 
In other words, it's very unfair for them to build it there and they should take it somewhere else if they enjoy the uh, privilege of being in this free nation and like Christian brothers, as they say they do, stop trying to drive a wedge between us and you'll be a lot better off. Uh, Vicki from California, that's my opinion. Okay, Vicki from California. I know taking illegal drugs is wrong, but what about prescribed medication? Is this considered the same as illegal abuse? No, not at all. Luke, the writer of the gospel, was a physician. And God gives us medications for certain things, for pain, for healing, and, and uh, we, he placed them here for us to use. So there is no, with, with Luke being a physician, God would use him to write the great book of Luke. And not only that, Luke, the physician, was the scribe that wrote most of Paul's works because Paul had trouble seeing. And, and Luke was with him basically all the way. And so naturally, God has nothing against physicians and uh, especially good Christian doctors are a fantastic thing to, to have and God's wonderful knowledge and wisdom that he gives is great. Bonnie from Ohio. Question, how does one go about being delivered from a perverse spirit? And if someone studies, well, you always want to lead Luke, read Luke chapter 10, verse 19, where Christ gives you power over all your enemies. Don't put up with it. Don't put up with a perverse spirit. Order it away out of your house in the name of Jesus Christ. And I mean get downright dirty with it like a junkyard dog. Okay? I mean don't, don't mamby-pamby and don't say please. You use authority and order anything negative out of your life. Christians don't have to put up with malarkey. Okay? We don't give up ground, we take ground. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the back of the book, we win, okay, period. So um, there you have that power. Don't, my advice is don't try to use it until you're confident enough in serving God that you can put your foot down. It's always good if you understand what the anointing oil of our people is to anoint your door and order anything not, never to cross it that is against Christ and do it in Christ's name. Tom from North Carolina. If a person breaks a mirror, he, I've always heard this, he would have bad luck for seven years. Will you please answer this question? That, that's a myth. Okay, the only thing that really happens when you break a mirror is you lost a mirror. Okay, it has nothing to do with what's going to happen to you in the next seven years. What you've got up here between your ears determines what happens to you in the next seven years, basically. Because if you use wisdom and common sense, breaking a mirror has nothing to do with it. I know some people that if they looked in a mirror, it might break it, and that would be bad luck. But be that as it may. Okay, um, Margie from, from Virginia. I would like to know if the Mamzar will be restored in the third earth age. They're restored in this earth age. God loves his children. It just sets a different set of rules. That's all. 
And, but God still loves the Mamzar, even in this earth age, and will there also. Whomsoever will. They, God gave His only begotten Son. Even if a Mamzar believes on them, they will have never perish, but have eternal life. It is true, as it is written in the Old Testament, that a Mamzar cannot enter the kingdom. That means be a, be a king in the dominion of God, but they have their own dominion. There they can be and take part and participate. Many people in their ignorance think that means they can't go to heaven, and that's wrong, very wrong. doesn't have anything to do with that. You're not supposed to put them over the house of God, okay? Um, but they can have their own house of God with their own, period. No problem. Um, question from Brenda from Alabama. What does Israel mean? It means, Israel means the prince that prevailed with God. It means that when he wrestled with God, God was so pleased that he could stick to it. Even in wrestling with the angel of God, didn't give up. And all night long, finally God had to almost cripple him. And then he changed his name to Israel, which means the prince that prevailed with God. Okay, I don't understand about being delivered up. If someone wants us to go to the false Messiah, do we go and then wait for the Holy Spirit to speak with from our mouth? Or do we not go because we know he is the fake? Is that a bad thing? Thank you for being a good, great teacher. Well, thank you. I enjoy teaching. We obey God. And God will instruct us at that time. It is our destiny to go before the false Messiah and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, that's your destiny. What a fantastic destiny that is. Because God foreknew you, as it is written in Romans chapter 8. Make a note of this. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. You don't even really know what to pray for. So God intercedes in your life means He directs you, nudges you, pushes you, and you're going to be where He wants you, and for He foreordained you and gave you a destiny if you have eyes to see and ears to hear the final instructions. John from Ohio. Do you think that the fallen angels could return in the last days as aliens on spaceships as a way to deceive? They're going to return. They have bodies. They're able to impregnate women. So naturally, they need transportation. And yes, they are coming. Um, Lydia from Alabama. Is the Holy Spirit like a person or another archangel? Please explain. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God. It's His spirit. Just like, um, just like Lydia, you have a spirit. Well, it is God's Spirit. Only God is supernatural. And God's Spirit, being the Holy Spirit, accomplishes, helps, aids, protects, and blesses. It, it is the very presence of God Himself and, um, and, and the Son, Jesus Christ. This is why it is written in John chapter 14. Let the Father and the Son abide in you. That's the comforter. That's the comforter in you, the Holy Spirit, and you in them. And He does protect you. 
It's not some angel or anything else. It's God's presence. Uh, KL, and I don't know where KL is from. Pastor Murray, aren't there two judgments, the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ? Well, the judgment seat of Christ is just this. When, when you pass on as one of the remnant before the millennium, before Christ returns at the second advent, let's say, then, then um, you are going to be judged by the book of life as to which side of paradise you sit in. Because that's where you're going to be until Christ returns and the millennium begins. So that is what the judgment seat of Christ is, is to read the book of life, see how many times you've repented, and then that's gone. But the sins you've committed you didn't repent for, and when you repent for all of them, they're all erased. But whatever you've done and haven't repented for, it's there. And, and if there's too much bad, righteous acts or acts of charity cover a multitude of sins. So he makes his mind up what kind of person you were from your record and your letter that is in heaven. The one that's in your church won't have anything to do with it, basically. I know that may offend some people, but I'm telling you the truth. It's the letter in heaven in the book of life that you are judged by Christ's uh, judgment seat. And that determines which side of the gulf in paradise you go to, that one gulf that is mentioned in Luke chapter 16. The great white throne judgment does not take place until the end of the millennium, after we've had a thousand years in spiritual bodies, teaching, and then comes the second resurrection uh, and, and, uh, and judgment. Um, uh, Menace of Marie, I'm going to say, uh, from Georgia. Where can I find in the Bible where Satan is being helped by Michael in heaven? Revelation chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. That is where Michael kicks Satan and all his angels out on this earth at one time. And he says, rejoice in heaven, but woe to you people down on earth, because Satan is down with you as the false messiah. And he knows he has but a short time. That's five months. And he's going to exercise all his authority in that five months that he can. Those that have the seal of God in their forehead, he can't touch them. Why? Because he can't deceive us. We know who he is. Many people don't. Many people are going to think he is Christ. Uh, Chelsea from North Carolina where can I find the scripture that says Christ became our Sabbath? Thank you. Christ became our Sabbath in Hebrews chapter 4, but the best place to read it, where he became our high Sabbath, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse uh, 6 and 7, where he became our Passover, because Passover is the highest Sabbath there is in Christianity. I know a lot of people may want to give it away to somebody else, but Passover is Christ. And it is His blood, the blood of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb, that causes that death angel to have to pass over your house, over your life, and gives you authority and power in, in the very name of the Lord Himself. Uh, Cynthia from Illinois. 
I came across an article over the internet that stated there are no J's uh, sound in the Hebrew. There's no letters J in the Hebrew alphabet. If I'm correct, I recall you saying the same thing. That is accurate, there or not. If this is true, how did they and why do they refer to Yeshua as Jesus? Because it's the English name. Uh, we have some people that, that adhere strictly to the sacred name. I use both. Why? I'm a teacher. And by using both names, I teach the English student that the true name, the sacred name, is Yeshua. And um, uh, Yahshua. Okay? It's like it's just like uh, the English translation uses J for Joshua, but not the manuscripts. The manuscripts, it is Yahshua, okay? And, uh, and so it is. Why? Because if, if your vocabulary doesn't have a J in it, then don't try to put one in it. Uh, Mary from Wisconsin. I heard that if we talk to Jesus with our mind, the devil... The devil can't uh, hear our prayers. Well, that's true. He, the devil can't read your mind. So it's not always good to pray out loud. Is this true? And is there Bible verses to back this? Yeah, because God is known as the cardio-knower, which means the heart-knower. Okay, he, he knows what you're thinking even. Christ knew what you were, many people were thinking when he walked the earth. Satan cannot do that unless he possesses you. If Satan possesses you, then he can have quite um, an advantage over a person's mind by, uh, through possession, kind of controlling. So, but the Christian is never going to be possessed as long as they will exercise the power and authority that God gives them. As a matter of fact, evil spirits are afraid of Christians. If they are Christians that are knowledgeable in the Word of God, because God gives us power over them. So, therefore, um, you simply order them away, and so it is. Uh, but always, uh, if you have something, if you're planning something that um, the enemy could interfere with, then don't say it out loud until you have it nailed down tight. Then it does. Say, Satan can't do anything then. Uh, many churches, when you're planning something, don't let the enemy know what you're doing before time. Do it, and then you can reveal it. Um, Sharita, Sharita from California. What does it mean to feel animosity from someone, whether you know them or not? Is that called a spiritual attack? How can I stop it? Well, um, I don't know that um, if you don't know them, uh, you wouldn't necessarily want to. You can you can plead the the name Jesus Christ, but don't don't mess with them. If you feel, if your spiritual discernment, and that's what it amounts to, if your spiritual discernment senses something bad about a person, avoid that person. You're, that, that's God saying, don't go here. Okay. That's, that's, what, that's what's happening here. Spiritual discernment is a gift from God. And you know something? Let's say it's your own conscience that you can just feel when you look or talk to somebody for a second uh, that this this is not good. Usually your first judgment is probably pretty well correct. It is always correct if you have spiritual discernment. Don't go there. That'll prevent a lot of trouble. 
Uh, Betty from Tennessee, what do you think about predestination? I'm pretty dumb, so please explain it to me. Only you can do only you can do this. Thanks, Betty. Well, well Betty, I, first of all, you're not dumb because you enjoy studying God's word. He's working with you. And predestination means there was an earth age before this, and you need to take the blinders off that there's just one earth age and know God's not a, a, a respecter of persons. And some people stood against Satan in the first earth age, and that causes them to have a destiny in this. Read Romans 8, 26. I'm out of time. I love you all because you enjoy studying God's word. Most of all, God loves you for it. Makes his day. And when you make his day, boy, is he going to make yours. Why? He loves you. We are brought to you by your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, you help us keep coming to you. Won't you do that? Bless God. He will always bless you. But listen to me good now. One thing very important. You stay in his word. I'm talking about the word of God. Every day in it is a good day, even with trouble. Do you know why? Because Jesus Yeshua is the living word. Hearing God's Word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's Word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Arnold Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast audio tape, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a tape catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645, 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at this same time. Thank you for watching today's program, and God bless you.